as an independent artist, it's really hard to be able to afford to perform live and especially to tour if you're always dependent on another person to accompany you. And the same goes for songwriting. If you're always dependent on someone else to play an instrument, that dependency will really hold you back. And, you know, for me, I've been able to tour solo acoustically all around the world because I have a compelling one woman show and I'm able to do it wherever I go with just me and my guitar. And I just, I like to see artists and especially female artists really empower themselves by being able to do what they do by themselves. And that doesn't mean you never play with a band. I mean, I love playing with a band, but it's, I just feel like it's so important to be able to do what you do whenever you want to do it. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And I'm super excited because the next episode that we put out, episode number 45, is going to be on our one-year anniversary. We started this podcast in April of 2015. We will, by then, have put out 45 amazing episodes. So if you've missed any of them, you want to go back and listen to any of them, they're always available on iTunes as well as at femusician.com. So go check out our website, see if there's any that interests you that you've missed. And there are 45 amazing and completely different episodes. So go check that out. And tune in on April 1st for our super special 45th and one year episode. So for this episode, I'm interviewing somebody that I've known for a while. Um, on the fringe as far as she was an artist on Women of Substance a while back. And I've been kind of just watching her career, sees what, seeing what she's doing, and she's been doing some amazing things. So when we got back in touch, I was like, yes, of course I want to interview on this show, you on the show, because you are doing so many things that will inspire independent female artists. So let me tell you a little bit about Allie Handel. Allie Handel is a powerful singer-songwriter, kick-ass lead guitarist, and savvy businesswoman. She's released three albums, toured four continents, had several of her songs placed in TV and feature films, performed with Paul Williams, and recorded with Neil Young. In 2012, music publisher Hal Leonard asked her to write Guitar for Girls, a guitar method book and CD that's now sold in music stores worldwide. She also runs the music licensing company Triple Scoop Music that she co-founded and tours as lead guitarist for Cindy Alexander. Here is my interview with Allie Handel. So that's a little bit about Allie Handel. So Allie, is there anything that's not mentioned in your bio that's maybe a little more personal that you want to tell our listeners? Well, I do consider myself a crazy cat lady in waiting meaning <laughs> right now I only have one cat, and, but she's 19 years old and I can definitely see myself having more someday, probably not 30 or, you know, but maybe two or three. 
So, and <laughs> that's good. We don't want to have to send hoarders. Over no, that'll never, know. that'll never be a problem. I like to get rid of stuff actually. So oh, that would be a problem, but I do have two bunnies in addition to the cat. I am married to a magician. So these are semi-retired rabbits uh, from oh his gosh. act. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, how did you get into music? Well, like a lot of kids, I started piano lessons when I was young. I actually started at Yamaha, taking these little piano classes where I learned music theory. And, you know, I, I did piano for a while and I always loved to sing. And I took classes in school and sung in choirs. But when I was 12, I actually heard Led Zeppelin for the first time. And that's when I asked my mom, can I please switch mm -hmm. to guitar? It's so much cooler. And she said, yes. So I, I switched. I was never very good at the piano, but I'm really grateful that I did learn music theory that way because it really helped long term. Absolutely. I've been so thankful for that, yeah. you know, music theory thing, because I know so many people that play guitar and like they have no clue what they're playing. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I'll be trying to play with them. And I'm like, no, no, a D. Yeah. Wait, is this? And they'll be like, wait, is this a D? And they'll play. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> That's very not important. a D. That's a G. Yeah. It's important to know what you're doing. Uh, and, and I do find it's much easier to communicate with other musicians. And you get a lot more respect when you actually do know what you're doing and what you're playing. Absolutely. So do you consider yourself a full-time musician? And if so, how long have you been a full-time musician? Or do you have other things that you do that kind of make up your, your income? Well, I'm definitely a female entrepreneur musician in every sense of the word. So awesome. yeah, so right out of college, I got a part-time desk job, but I made sure that I never worked more than 20 hours a week because I was very dedicated to my music career. But in the beginning, I didn't really make any money playing music. I was playing as a lead guitar player in other people's bands. This is before I was singing as a rock singer. I had studied voice in college, but that was a very different thing. <laughs> so um, yeah, I started out working part-time and, and being in other people's bands. But once I started writing my own music and released my first record, I did transition to being a full-time musician. And I did that for several years earning my living primarily from licensing my music from that record and playing gigs. Now, I wasn't making a ton of money, at least for living in L.A., and I was doing gigs that I wasn't crazy about, some of them anyway. And a couple artist friends of mine and I decided that we wanted to create a business in the area of music licensing, since that was where we were making the majority of our income. Um, so now it's been about 10 years, actually, since we started that business. And the company that we create is doing incredibly well. And it provides now anywhere from half to two thirds of my annual income. And that was starting from a, a business where at first we didn't take any money out of the business. Um, so now it's mm. been really helpful. And the really exciting thing is that the income I make now from my music is far higher than when I was doing only music full time. So it's been a very interesting journey. Wow. Wow. So how did you, first of all, you know, when you're first starting out and you started getting those licensing deals. How did you find those in the beginning before you had your company? Yeah, that was through my producer. So the producer I had of my first record, I met him when I was volunteering at KCRW, which is a local NPR station here. And it's very well known for discovering different artists and things like that. They are yeah. really well known for that. Yeah. I mean, they have a like indie music, uh, like yes. little channels online and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So i volunteered there for their pledge drive twice a year for many years. And I did a lot of networking there and 
I met a lot of the DJs there and ended up getting my music played there. And that was a very conscious thing I did. And I met a lot of really cool people there as well. And one of the people I met was the person who ended up producing my first record. And he had been a music supervisor in the past and knew a lot of music supervisors. And this was back, my record came out in 2000, which was before most indie artists knew anything about music licensing. So he was licensing my music as an indie artist and I was you know, getting some really nice television shows and that kind of thing back before everyone and their brother was doing it. Mm. That's really cool. So what, what event would you say that influenced or was the most critical event that you brought you, brought you to where you are today? I would say perseverance. It wasn't mm. even an event, but there's, there's a saying that I have, and actually it's, I've made it into a song and it's not even my saying. I heard it in one of my favorite films, which is Thelma Louise. Love that movie. <laughs> and at one point in the movie, the character uh, Louise says to Thelma, which is a Gina Davis character, Thelma's complaining about Daryl, her horrible husband, and just you know how awful her marriage is and her life is. And almost under her breath, Louise says to her, you get what you settle for. Mm. And I took that to heart when I first saw it. And I, you know, that was a long time ago. When that movie first came out, I think that was like 25 years ago. And I really live by that motto for every part of my life, whether it's my career, uh, my love life. You know, I waited for quite a while before I got married because I didn't want to just settle for any old dude. And with uh, my health, everything. That's that's awesome advice for sure. Is there anything that you know now that you wish you would have known when you first started out or you could kind of give advice to an independent starting out now? Yeah, I would. I mean, there's so much advice. I mean, one of the main <laughs> one of the main things and I think when I, I you know, I've listened to your podcast and I love it. And one of the things that I remember hearing one of your guests say to you was she was like, I'm not really a really good guitar player. I'm not, you know, and I would really suggest my biggest piece of advice, I think, would be to learn an instrument and master an instrument. If you if you are a singer songwriter, um, it's just so empowering. I have so many friends because I have been in this game for quite a while now. I just I have so many friends and I've watched the careers of my friends who can't or who choose not to play an instrument generally flounder with, with some exceptions. But as an independent artist, it's really hard to be able to afford to perform live and especially to tour if you're always dependent on another person to accompany you. And the same goes for songwriting. If you're always dependent on someone else to play an instrument, that dependency will really hold you back. And, you know, for me, I've been able to tour solo acoustically all around the world because I have a compelling one woman show and I'm able to do it wherever I go with just me and my guitar. And I just I like to see artists and especially female artists really empower themselves by being able to do what they do by themselves. And that doesn't mean you never play with a band. I mean, I love playing with a band, but it's I just feel like it's so important to be able to do what you do whenever you want to do it. I think that's so true. And I, when I talk to my students, when I'm talking to them about like maybe 
busting through a fear that's holding you back. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that held me back is that I was positive, like hundred percent positive that I could not play and sing at the same time. Like I was convinced of it, (laughs) even though I'd played, I've been playing piano since I was six and you know, I was a good, a decent piano player and I don't know. I just didn't think I could do it. But finally I just got so fed up because number one, like the, you know, with dealing with a band and all the human stuff Mm -hmm. and all the changes and people and, and then, you know, they all had day jobs, so they couldn't go on tour and I wanted to tour. And finally I'm like, I just got to figure this thing out. Right. Because I need to be able to be mobile. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So that is really good advice. Um, Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely find that. So yeah, perseverance and, and, and perseverance goes to learning an instrument. I mean, learning an instrument is not easy, especially if you're not six or 12. And if you're an adult and, you know, if maybe, you know, it a little bit, but not very well. And I, I find that's the majority of singer songwriters, you know, they're not very comfortable on their instrument. And it really makes a huge difference in your show. If you are, you know, in your, in your live performance and it does, it takes less than you think, but it takes commitment and consistency. You know, even if someone were to take their guitar or whatever it is, their instrument is and practice for 15 minutes a day over time, that can make a huge difference. And that's something that anyone can fit into their schedule. I don't care how busy you are. If you are dedicated to having a life as a performing musician, you know, I I think that's something that if you want to, you can dedicate yourself to. Oh, I absolutely agree. So let's get into that because I know that you wrote a book called Guitar for Girls. And one of the reasons you wrote that is because you felt like a lot of your friends were being held back by not being able to to play for themselves. So how did you, you know, did you just decide on your own to write this book? Did someone approach you? And how has that gone over? Yeah, I never thought I would write a book and it was definitely not my idea. <laughs> and Guitar for Girls specifically was not my idea because when, so Hal Leonard approached me in, and they asked me, they said, we have this book that we want you to write. It's called Guitar for Girls. And the first thing I think of, you know, being an ardent feminist is why do girls need a book rather than <laughs> guitar? You know, I mean, girls play guitar just like anybody else. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, something that's segregated. However, I thought about it and I did decide to take the project on because once I did think about it, I, I did look back at my own career and my own struggles with guitar and just being a female musician. And I, I do, you know, the physicality and the musicality, I don't think there's a difference between how I would teach a boy and teach a girl or a man and a woman. However, a lot of the psychological aspects of learning the guitar, I do think there are certain things just because of the way that girls are socialized still in our culture. We're taught to be generally more timid. We're less generally, and this definitely went for me, we're generally less likely to want to put ourselves quote unquote out there and risk things before we feel like we're 100% ready, which I do think sometimes is a mistake to not be willing to say, get up at a jam session because you're not perfect or you're not as amazing as this guy. Usually boys are not held back by those same kinds of things. And I, I felt like I really wanted to include, and I did include a lot of kind of psychological, more psychological tips and pointers to really urge girls to be fearless and to put themselves out there and to not be intimidated 
by other people who may be better or at a different place in their career. I love I love that idea. And I think I think it's really hard to walk that line because I yeah. have that problem too with women of substance. Like number one, you know, why did why is it just women? And then like how like I'm promoting their music because I feel like they're not getting enough representation. Mm -hmm. Well, is that, is my actually doing that saying that women are not as good and we need more help? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I don't, so I don't it's, think it's this weird that, line. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I don't think it says that, but I understand it's a, it is a, it's a fine line. And I, you know, I love women and I love girls and I'm very passionate about empowering women and female musicians just because I feel like they're even more my people and my tribe than just musicians in general, which I definitely feel like is my tribe. So yeah, I think we all just do what we're called to do. So there's nothing, nothing yeah, wrong I with agree. it. <laughs> I agree. And I mean, I definitely, the reason I do it is that I feel called yeah. toward, toward women, but it's not because I think that they need extra help, but yeah. yet in a way I do, because yeah. I feel like they're not getting the representation they deserve. Yeah. So anyway, um, on another subject, I am curious because you've had such a really long, great career. What has been like the most mind blowing thing that you've ever done or experienced? Well, that's like there's a lot of really cool things that have happened, which is I'm really lucky. And a lot of that stuff does, wasn't planned. Like it's in fact, anything that I would mention probably is not a goal that I had and that was kind of hard for me just being a very goal oriented person for most of my life, mm. you know? And, and that was one of the things that was kind of challenging just to detour for a second. But in terms of a lot of the challenges that I had early on, I would make, you know, at the end of the year, I would make a list of the goals that I had and I wanted to be on the cover of guitar player magazine. And I wanted to do this. And I wanted to do that. And usually I wouldn't accomplish those goals for whatever reason, mostly because the music business is pretty unpredictable and it is depending on your goals, it can be very challenging, you know, to achieve those because they don't all depend on you and just hard work. There's a lot of other factors, but then I would find myself at the end of the year having, you know, I sung on a Neil Young record and, you know, Capitol studios and I played guitar on the prices, right. You know, and I did all these <laughs> weird things and I sang with Paul Williams, you know, and all these crazy things. And I, and that no, none of those things, even writing the book, was never a goal of mine, yet they helped propel my career forward. And there were some really cool moments. And another really cool moment was, and this is, again, something I couldn't have planned. I was asked to perform at the opening of the Les Paul Museum exhibit in his hometown of Waukesha, Wisconsin. And it was a really big deal. And, you know, me playing my Les Paul and you know, I, I did a cover of Whole Lot of Love where I sang and then I played mm. all Jimmy Page's parts. And it was, you know, there were photographers there and people were going crazy. It was like it was a dream show. And that was something I, I never could have imagined or made as a goal to check off a list. So, I, again, it's it's, you know, music career can be a very weird, very non-traditional kind of career as you approach it. Very different from maybe something else that you might be approaching even as an entrepreneur, because you can try to plan and, you know, and, and of course, a lot of these things did come along because of things that I did plan, like releasing three records and the, the kinds of things that I did do, but you never can really tell what kinds of magical things will happen as a result of the hard work that you do in, say, another area. 
Well, I would definitely say that 99% of serendipity comes to those who are working hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like the, the off chance that you're working as a waitress and you're singing along with the background music and someone hears you and you become a star. I mean, the chance of that is 0.01%, right. you know, but, but the people that are working hard towards certain goals, like you said, it might be some other thing happens, but because you put yourself out there, yeah. you're being seen, people see that you're reliable, you're a good worker and you love what you do. You have passion that is going to draw people in. And, you know, like you said, like you did never would have chosen to write that book necessarily, no. but someone approached you because they saw that you had a lot of great knowledge yeah. and experience. Yeah. And that came that the, the reason I was asked to write that book was because they knew who I was. Someone who worked at Hal Leonard had previously worked at a guitar magazine that I had approached when my first record came out. And I approached all the guitar magazines. You know, here I was, this was back in 2000 and I was a female lead guitar playing singer songwriter, which wasn't that common back then. It's, it still isn't that common, but it was less common back then. And so I did all kinds of different articles and things like that, uh, getting coverage from these magazines. And that magazine that the guy who now works for Hal Leonard was at, that that magazine's been gone for a long time. But he that's how he knew who I was because I went out and sought him out when he was somewhere else. And that's the other thing just perseverance in the music industry. There are people now that I've had business relationships with for 15 years and they may have moved to another company, but we still have a business relationship. And now the company that they're at may be more or less relevant to what I'm doing, but it's, you know, they know people too. And so the longer you're in it, the better it gets. Even though, you know, even though a lot of us are worried about, oh, I'm getting older and, you know, that stuff doesn't even matter anymore. It just is not even relevant. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I see so many older artists still doing so many things. Yeah. Plus, you can always move into the area of licensing and you don't have to be performing if you don't want to. You don't have to if you don't want to. I personally love it and I live for it. So I continue. Mm. But yeah, that's definitely not something you have to do. I mean, that's the other great thing about a career in the music industry is there are so many different things that you can do. There are just so many, you know, whether it's licensing, songwriting, you know, doing work as a session singer or musician, there's, you know, there's, it's just kind of endless. Yeah. I was just going through an exercise with my students yesterday of listing out all the income yeah. that, that they bring in, because I think they don't realize this little thing here, this little thing here, they add up. And then if they want to just incrementally increase each one of those, then they can bring their income up to what they want. Yeah. But sometimes they don't even, they're just focusing on my CD sales aren't enough. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They're not seeing all the little pieces that they can have. Yeah. And there's also some really interesting things that you can do and I haven't done a lot of this, but it's something that's very interesting. I know there are people, who, and this might be something that you might want to look into. I don't know if you have had anyone on the podcast yet or are already planning to, but people who have sold their CDs in bulk to groups, because I know there are people who have done that and done really well with that. I did. Yeah. I had um, Lisa Lynn was on here and she worked out a deal with hospitals because oh, she's a, she's brilliant. a, a Celtic harpist. Oh, that's great. So she had this deal where she was selling them to the hospitals in mm. bulk to give to all, she had a lullaby CD and it was for oh. all the new mothers. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That was actually one of our most popular shows yeah. because she had so many cool, like innovative things like that that people don't think of. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, and that's that, and that's the thing, the kind of thing where it can really help to talk to other people. And I know you're a big advocate of having a coach, and I think it's it's a great idea because having someone to talk to who doesn't isn't limited as or as limited by their thinking as we might be. And, you know, I, I like to think of myself as someone who's fairly unlimited. And a lot of people do come to me for marketing advice and that kind of a thing, just because they see what I'm doing. But I myself need a coach in order to think much bigger in terms of the opportunities that are in front of me, because we all can get into that feeling of like, well, whatever small thinking that we have, especially when it comes to finances. And so I think that's, you know, it's good to have someone else and like, oh, did you think about about that? You know, it's not just about selling your CDs one at a time, but look what this artist did or, you know. Oh, I know. I always tell my students, like, I would never advise you to have a coach if I didn't have one right. because <laughs> yeah. I, I need that. Like, yeah. I don't I don't always see everything no. for sure. Yeah. And you're in your own little bubble. You, it's hard to get outside yourself, you know, yes. so that's what other other minds are for. Yeah, it's yeah. And it's great. And, you know, even the most brilliant, open minded people they can still get stopped by their own stuff because we all have our own stuff that we're battling against in our heads. Absolutely. So I am really curious how you ended up starting your um, licensing company, Triple Scoop Music, because I love that it's such a niche company as far as that you focus on getting licensing to photographers. And you said you were the number one licensing for photographers. Is that right? Yeah, we, we were pioneers in that area. We were the first company to even find that niche. And, you know, since then, 10 years ago, we've inspired a lot of competition, but, and we have expanded as well, but that's still our home base is primarily photographers and videographers, or as they like to be called now, um, fil um, event filmmakers. So people who film, you know, uh, bar mitzvahs and weddings and other kinds of family events. So let me get this clear. So this this is then royalty free, right? They just pay like a one fee. Well, we call we we don't call it royalty free because I think then people sometimes get confused, especially our clients get confused. Yeah, I think people then think that that's oh well that means I'm not going to get any money. You no, know what I mean? and it's not. Yeah, it's a it's a one time. Uh, our customers generally pay a one time upfront payment, and then we split the licensing fee fifty fifty with our artists. And, you know, that money does go to the artists as a royalty, but we also have a, a, a different kind of license. So the kind of license that we uh, give to the photographer clients is not an, it's not a royalty free license in, in terms of they can't just use it for whatever they want. You know, they can use it on online and they can use it for these kinds of event videos and slideshows, but they can't go and put it in a television commercial. That's a very separate, much more expensive license. So, right. so because there are companies that do have quote unquote royalty free music where for one amount of money, you download the song, you can do whatever you want with it. That is oh, not exactly okay. what we do. So now do they have to be able to tell you exactly like, do they say this is for the, um, you know, the noble wedding, No, you no, know, are they, no. but they do say that this is for a wedding. They, they don't have to say if it's for a wedding, a bar mitzvah or what have you, they don't have to specify that. Um, it's just that they know what the parameters are before okay. they download the license. And, you know, we have the license available for them to download and 
so it's very clear what the particular use is for. And actually, when customers come to our website, they can now choose from a number of different licenses. We have licenses for people who work in real estate because people are now using music to Mm. Uh, to use for their or like house tours for, exactly, yeah for house tours so we were finding a lot of people doing that we have licenses for people to use for corporate videos for corporate mm. marketing videos for small business videos so there's a lot of different things that people use the music for and every one comes with a different kind of license that makes sense because for example if someone was doing it for a wedding video they would probably just you know, sell it to the people that were involved in the wedding. But then if they decided, oh, this is a really good video, we want to use it to advertise something on our website, then they would have to have a different license for that, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's it's to go through every minutia of every license. Probably isn't, this probably isn't the place for that. But yeah, oh, definitely not. <laughs> but general, I'm actually really yeah, curious. Yeah. I'm really interested in this. Stuff yeah, because yeah. I'm not familiar with all the ins and outs of it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's very cool. So how do you find the music that you, the, the, the artists that you do 50-50 licensing with? Well, we discover music through all sorts of channels. You know, some of it comes to us, some of it, you know, we have our A&R people kind of looking out on the internet and word of mouth and that kind of a thing. But we now have over 20,000 songs in our catalog. So we are incredibly selective in the music we sign. We listen to every single piece of music that we sign. It's not, it's not the kind of website where artists can just come and upload whatever they want and then people find it because there are sites like that as well but we handpick everything and we really look for impeccable production quality songs that sound like they could be on the radio and should be on the radio and we generally look for songs that are upbeat and positive sounding even if they're instrumental uh, we do take vocal and instrumental songs but what our particular clientele want as you can imagine you know primarily people who are doing business related videos and weddings and you know celebration it's upbeat and happy sounding music it's not the typical singer songwriter bittersweet love songs which <laughs> I, I wish they made divorce videos because you know we have we could have so much music for that oh yeah breakup videos, <laughs> breakup videos yeah. that'd be so my music would be perfect for that but you know and all of my friends but uh so that eliminates you know a, a fair amount of of music but then you know, there are a lot of people making music that is phenomenal. And that's one of the wonderful things about the industry nowadays is so many people are making great music. And I know I am like floored every day with the stuff that I get. Yeah, it's you know? it's phenomenal. So, yeah. So if an, if an artist wants to be on your radar, do they need to be working with a boutique publisher or since you don't take direct submissions? Um, well, we actually do. And um, I can give you the email address if somebody wants to, if anybody listening wants to submit to Triple Scoop Music. We actually, you know, if the artists own their own publishing, that's the best scenario because that way they control everything because they have to have permission from whoever they're working with. You know, if they're working with a publishing company, they would need to get permission from the publishing company to work with us to make sure that that's okay. But a lot of our artists don't have publishing deals, so they are working directly with us. And if any um, anybody listening wants to submit to Triple Scoop Music, they can send an email with links. Please don't attach an MP3. <laughs> but <laughs> and if, definitely don't attach a wave file because oh I've gotten gosh, those before. Do not attach a wave file. Do not attach an MP3, and attach links to your very very best three songs. Yes. Oh, yeah. And make sure they're, I'm assuming you want online links yes. and not like someone's Google Dropbox because I or Dropbox or Google or something. I've get some of the 
stuff like that sometimes. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah. As long as we don't have to download it to listen and just, you know, make sure, you know, one of the things that I like to emphasize is, you know, really listen to your recording and have someone else listen to your recording and and be honest with yourself about if you're ready, because not everybody's ready for licensing and that's okay, but don't make, and this doesn't go for just us. This goes for any kind of opportunity that you're submitting yourself for. Don't just throw your music everywhere in the hopes that someone will see a glimmer of something great or the diamond in the rough, especially when it comes to licensing, that is not what it's about. With licensing, it is the diamond. Like it's polished and it's ready to go. You know, we're not producers. We're Uh using finished products. So if you're not ready, that's okay. You know, you, you have our information in a year when you have something that's really ready and really polished and the best songs you've ever written, then email us, you know, and I think that's true for, you know, there's that fine balance again between taking imperfect action and taking action, you know, making sure you're not holding yourself back but also being appropriate and not putting your your music out there, which is a representation of who you are as an artist and an entrepreneur, not putting yourself out there really before you're professionally ready. And I, I don't know if I distinguish that enough, but you know, you know, I, you know I, I have I mean. the same, yeah, <laughs> I have the same problem. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely, I would say like, you know, impression is important. Yes. Like for me, you know, if you submit something to me for when of substance and I don't think it's ready, I'll tell you. Yeah. And, but I probably will remember that the next time that I see a submission from you and go, okay, I'm a little skeptical right. here, but I will listen to it again. Right. But some people, you know, in the licensing world might say, oh, this person wasted my time. I'm not going to listen to anything of theirs again. So make sure that, that what you put out there the first time is good. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that we tend to be very artist friendly and we won't just shut someone down, but at the same, you know, in terms of, I'll never listen to you again, <laughs> but there right. are definitely people out there. Who there are. are. Like, oh, there definitely are because it's, you know, we're all really, really busy people. Uh-huh. Everyone yeah. is busy. And the more successful you are, the busier you are. I just, there's more going on and, you know, you just don't want to waste people's time who are very busy and who you want to have help you. You know, that's, I'm always trying to be mindful about when I'm contacting people who I want to have help me, you know, it's like, keep, keep the email short and to the point, you know, really be aware of how you're coming off to people in your communication as well as, as, you know, following ins- instructions that they ask for how they want to see your music, all that kind of basic stuff. And it seems really basic, but you'd be surprised to see, you would not be surprised. Brie. I would not be surprised. You would not be surprised <laughs> at all, but I think a lot of people listening would be shocked. I think the artists are surprised because they, they don't see it from the perspective of the person who sees hundreds of artists, yeah. uh, you know, every week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're just seeing their own. It's once again, it's being your own in your own bubble and not, Mm -hmm. you know, so I would definitely say if you're not sure, go to, you know, the Facebook groups or the forums where people review each other's music peer to peer Mm -hmm. and get some opinions before you, you send it out for honest feedback. And, you know, the other thing is to be able to take constructive criticism or just to be able to take a no, because that's very important to be able to do. And, and no doesn't always mean no forever. It just means not right now. And that's something very important to remember, but it also means not right now. So 
move on, keep working on things. I mean, anyone who is successful has had way more no's than they've had yeses. Oh yeah. I was just doing a workshop with my friend that does licensing and she's had plenty yeah. of no's, but she's also had a lot of yeses. Right. And the no's are usually like, no, this isn't the right sound right. for this, you know, particular opportunity. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I've had lots of no's to my music that has already been placed in television. And, and in fact, right. I had someone say, you know, you, what do I know? You could have placed this in a bunch of shows. And I'm like, yeah, I did. But I, but it's not, <laughs> it's not for me. It's like, okay, cool. Move on, moving on to the next song that might be for you, might not be for you, but it's okay. And to be able to not take that stuff personally, it takes practice because our music is so personal to us. You know, I don't know anyone whose music isn't personal to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to find out, you know, with all these things that you're doing, kind of what's the breakdown of your streams of income? Because I always like to, to talk about this a little bit because of the fact that artists usually have so many different streams of income and it's good for them to think about maybe what they haven't explored yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I do have my income from having my own company. So that's, that's one stream of income. I have my income from my placements in all of my licensing placements, television, film, the triple scoop royalties that I receive. I have income from my book sales. Uh, I have income from my CD sales. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I do session work. I've especially been doing a lot of session work in the last couple of years, which I just love doing. So vocal, mm. primarily vocal session work. So I, that's another stream of income. Um, what would you say the breakdown is kind of like, you know, is, is half of it from the company that you have? Yeah, or? I would say anywhere from a half, a anywhere from a third to a half is my, from my company. And the rest of it is from my all of my musical endeavors and the bulk of the money I would say for my musical endeavors comes from royalties. So yeah, okay. from book royalties and placement oh. royalties from the television. Stuff, so you know. more than actual. Performance. Oh yeah. Yeah. And because, you know, one of the things, and I, you know, I really, it's really interesting. I have a, I kind of have a bit of a different take, I think, than a lot of other musicians in terms of the whole, you know, are you a full-time musician? Are you not? I think it's awesome to be a full-time musician. And there are also a lot of horrible gigs you can have making a living music full-time. And there's a lot of things that I choose not to do as a musician. I choose not to do cover gigs. That's something I've never really wanted to do. Uh, I choose now I've done a lot of gigs in noisy bars and I toured the country doing that. And I choose not to do that anymore. I choose to do listening rooms, you know, so because I do have this other source of income from my business, I don't have to take the gigs that I don't want to take. And I get to take gigs like I'm doing a gig uh, in February. It's a literary salon where they have musical guests and I'm going to be a musical guest with the actress Ileana Douglas, who I love. I absolutely love her. Wow. That's not a paying gig, but it is a gig in the middle of the day that I can go do. I can sell my CDs there. I can get all those, the women who go, it's called women who write and all the women there are, it's like my perfect audience, you know, get people on my mailing list. And that's going to be fantastic for my career. It may not be a huge moneymaker right up front, but for my career, it's great. And there's a lot of opportunities like that, especially in Los Angeles that I really like to take advantage of. And because I don't, have to make all of my 
money from my performances, I can take opportunities that may be great for my career, but not great at the moment. You know, am I making $500 in this one hour? No. So it's, it's a, it's a different way of, of looking at things. And I think sometimes when you do, whether you have your own business or you have a day job or a part-time gig, if you're doing that, sometimes, especially when I started, when I had a mindless day job, it was actually, you know, I, I always griped about it. And I was very glad when I was just doing things related to music full time. And I'm still very grateful for that. However, I did at that time only do the music things that I wanted to do. And at that time, when I was first starting out, I was getting some really much needed experience. I was playing in other people's bands. I wasn't making any money. It was a band situation, but we were playing the House of Blues and the Viper Room and all these, you know, really great opportunities. But we were all like all for one, one for all. You know, it was a band situation. So because I had a job, I was able to do that. You know, I would, first of all, I would never do that now because I'm not at that point in my career and I'm doing my own music. But, you know, if you're not having enough of an income in some way, you're really hamstrung because having a career in music, it requires paying for stuff, whether you're your own artist or you're in a band. Absolutely. And I think you made a really good point in there about things that may be good for your career, but not right now. Yeah. And, you know, with things where you're going to get some really quality people on your mailing yeah. list, I think that that is totally worth investing in. We were just going through an exercise yesterday in one of my classes figuring out kind of what the value of somebody, a new person on your mailing list could be based upon getting referral gigs, mm -hmm. you know, bookings through your list, people that buy, buy stuff directly through your list. They come to your concerts, you know, just kind of quantifying mm -hmm. that a little yeah. bit. And, you know, so every, you know, every person, there's an average amount that they're worth when they get on your list. And if you're getting really good qualified people that are your perfect audience right. at that gig, it's worth it. Right. And it, you know, it, it definitely makes a difference. The people that sign up for my mailing list at a bar gig, when not many people are paying attention are going to be different from the, the adult women who are in other businesses and they're not struggling musicians and they're, not, you know, and, and they're at a literary salon and they're encouraged to buy your CD and to support the other artists. It's, it is, there is a very different kind of person in your audience, you know, depending on where you're playing. And those are the kind of people that are going to support you next time you do a crowdfunding campaign exactly. or something, you know, exactly. you know, that's the way I see it. It's, it's investing in your career. Yeah. And not to say that you, well, know, that I, you can't, of course, sell to them when you're doing a show. Of course you can. Of yeah. course, of course. And they probably will buy too. Yeah. Well, I always ask everybody this question near the end. Um, and this one is going to be a little bit different with you because you have your own book. But so despite outside of your own book, what is one of your favorite books that you could recommend either in the area of, you know, music, songwriting, um, the business side of music, or even self-improvement? There are so many awesome books. I, I love all those kinds of books. Um, I think the one that I'm going to choose, and actually I'm, I'm in the, just before I tell you what book it is, I am in the process of putting out a series of videos for beginning singer songwriters and beginning guitar players. And in one of those videos, I do talk about resources, both for songwriters and just for creative people in general. And this book that I'm going to mm -hmm. mention is one of the books I mentioned uh, in the video. It's called The War of Art. And it's by oh, Stephen yes. Pressfield. I've been needing to read oh, that. I have not read okay. it yet. Read it and download it to your phone and seriously read it 
every single day. I mean, you can read a page from it every day. It's all about resistance. This is not just for songwriters. This is not just for musicians. It's for anyone who wants to do anything. A lot of business people love this This book. This is the best book in life. Oh, it's just, it's, I'm so passionate about it. So it's about why aren't we writing? Why aren't we exercising? Why aren't we eating our vegetables? You know, and it's all about resistance. And, you know, I used to think because I wasn't writing every day, it meant that I must not really be a real musician. And because I wasn't practicing my guitar every day, it was because I wasn't really a musician. And it's exactly the opposite. The things that are the most important to us, most important to us bring up the most resistance for us. So Mm. if we're so passionate about our music career, but we, you know, but we have a hard time getting ourselves to practice every day or whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't mean that you're not really supposed to do it. People who are writers have the hardest thing that they have to do is to sit down and write. And it talks about it and it makes you feel so much less alone and it gets your butt in action. And in, and it's very, very easy to read. There are little chapters that are anywhere from one to three pages long. So you could literally read a page, you know, just, you know, take, take an, uh, a break every hour from when you're doing whatever you're doing and read a page. It'll take, you know, 30 seconds. And it's so inspiring. Okay. I got to go. Yeah. You've got to get it. I've been meaning to get it today. I'm going to get the audio version. I'm going to listen to it while I walk. Yes. Exercise. So I'm, I'm doing something that, that is, has been providing me resistance while I'm listening. Yeah. It's great. And that's what I love about podcasts. And I, you know, I listen to your podcast when I'm walking. I love it. Yeah. I love that about podcasts too. Well, this has all been so great. I love hearing about your book. Um, I first want to remind everybody that she's got this great book called Guitar for Girls. And can you get it on Amazon? You can, but I'd prefer that if people would like to get it, they get it from my website because that way I there get you more go. money. <laughs> Yay, let's give her more money. Okay, so it's AllieHandle.com. That's right. And it's uh, A-L-I-H-A-N-D-A-L.com. Okay. Go get it there guys. Don't go to Amazon because she, de- she deserves all of her money. Oh, um, <laughs> and then, um, about triple scoop music. So remind them again, how they can, can email you with their, um, EPK, you know, their links only and their best stuff. Yeah. So it's not going to go to me. It is going to go to our A&R team, but it is the email address is artists. And that's the plural A R T I S T S at triple scoop music.com. And that's spelled T R I P L E S C O O P M U S I C.com. And we don't need an EPK. We just need links to your three very best tracks. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, how can we get in touch with you for your music and social media and stuff? Yes, you can find me and you can download three free songs at allyhandlemusic.com. And that's just how I spelled my name before, A-L-I-H-A-N-D-A-L music.com. And you can also find my videos on YouTube if you just put in, I, I think maybe you could put up a link, but it's YouTube slash C slash Allie Handle, I think. Okay. Now I'm trying to remember because I think we played a cover song that you did of my oh, Sharona. Oh yeah. Is that right? I right. love, okay, you guys, you need to check out that cover song because I love it's that It's a rock and version. roll version of my Sharona. Yes. Yeah, very rock. It's awesome. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has all been so great. And you've been able to cover so many different kinds of things because you're just so multi-talented. So thank you so much for talking with oh, us today. Thank you, Bree. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business.
Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.